Okay. Joan, you find yourself in a cavern, which is abnormally hot, and you are in front of, or you are kind of in front of you, you see a, a little troglodyte bird. A kind of, um, I think it's probably uh, somewhat bat-like in that it uses uh, sound more than sight to navigate. And it looks at you with eyes that are very intelligent. It belongs to a person that you may not know. I don't think you do. I don't think anyone apart from probably the highest echelons of House Ankuset know about, which is Avrad Ankuset, uh, who is who is the most powerful sorcerer in Uduasha and who has made his uh, current life's goal um, the vigil of a door somewhere deep in the bowels of the well um, where he watches a, uh, a door that is made out of woven ratty blonde hair. Um, the cavern itself is actually very well apportioned. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like it's it's like uh, a glamping kind of setup, right? Like um, there's like a bed. Uh, there's like somewhere like to make food. All of this stuff, but you kind of get the feeling that this guy doesn't use much of it. Um, he seems to mostly like survive by like somehow transmuting the the well's energy into sustenance for himself. And this bird has a. Uh, it's actually, it's flying towards you and it drops a card from the beak, from its beak. Um, and you were earlier when the, 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 the cards in Uduasha represented you, you were the chariot, right? Yes. So I think in this case, um, we see the card kind of like fall from the sky and it's, it's turning, uh, you know, front to back to front to back. And the front says the chariot, and we actually see you aboard a train. Um, you know, going mm-hmm. going into the distance. And uh, you are in combat, probably with some horror, right? Uh, and then it uh, turns to the back. Um, what do we see? What does it transform into when it turns to the front again, and the camera sees it? We see a riot, and it fills almost the entire frame of the card. And in microscopic detail in this riot we see faces, some familiar, some unfamiliar. Some almost familiar, almost, almost Joan, almost the family, but not them. And rising above this riot, in framed and in a way as to suggest that it is a destination, is a tower. Hmm. Yeah. And this tower is not the well, right? This tower is every... No, I think this tower is not every tower. This tower is like... The, the first of the demon princesses tower that was built in Uduasha, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that old Uduasha, the language that was spoken here is based on Dutch. So like, what is the word 
do you think at the bottom of that? Like instead of the, it's no longer the chariot, right? So like, yeah. what is the caption there? I think the word that is there translates into riot crow. Nice. Yeah. So we see that original Dutch word. Uh, was it opperkrijer? Yeah, opperkrijer. Opperkrijer. Yeah. So we see that, but as it turns back again, and then it turns a third time, it turns into what you are now, because you are not that ancient thing, which has unfortunately been been almost completely supplanted by the demon princes and then the empire, and you are no longer the chariot either. Now you have become the modern version of that ancient idea. So we see the riot crow and now i think we see the almost joan looks much more like joan and she is at the head of this riot and the tower looks to the viewer like so many towers across the empire the one that the emperor lives in in the imperial city the one that in duskwall um houses the massive bells that ring whenever someone in that city dies and in fact in this case, the well itself, right? Because you are now possessed with a hunger to consume the fire, and that is why you're here, right? That is why I am here. Slowly making my way to the center of the city. Yeah. As it falls to your feet, do, do you bend down to pick it up, or do you just, like, kind of walk over it? I just step on it. There's like probably an ashy footprint left behind because I imagine it's very. It's this place is very close to the Udu. There's so there's a lot of like heat and ash around. I suppose. Yeah, for sure. I imagine. Yeah, I think like the 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 sorcerer's feet are in fact like he's barefoot and his feet are just like black with ash, right? And as you approach him, uh, he speaks. Uh, and for a moment, it's almost like the bird is speaking to you um, because he has taken on, like, in his, like, years of research and years of, like, uh, investigating all kind of, like, forbidden art and mystery, uh, he's taken on some of the aspects of the Rakshasas, but he's taken it even further than the, Ra- than the Rakshasas would, right? So, like, the bird and he, the, it, the bird is not his familiar. By now, actually, maybe they are both the same being. And I think the sorcerer says, um, I watch for what comes from within. I didn't think someone would come from without. What is your purpose here? I am come to end a lie. Who asks? And he turns to look at you and it's like a pendulum almost in that the same way that he swings to look at you, the troglodyte bird's head swings to look at the door. And you realize that at all times, someone needs to be looking at the door. This is almost like a Schrodinger's thing, right? Like, so long as you're observing the door, the door is always going to be there, right? Right. Damn, that's really cool. And he stands and the bird flies away. And it leaves the card uh, in the ground where you left it. And it flies and takes Avrad's place and he stands and turns and looks at you and says um, I am known 
by many names, but perhaps the one that you would know me by best, the one that would resonate in your soul. I am the Mage of Stars. And as he says this, I think like you realize that this is also one of those titles. And it's weirdly, I don't think this is a major arcana. I think this is like in a in a version of this deck, which had stars as a suit rather than some of the other stuff that we've discussed, you know, paper and cards and so on. Uh-huh. He being the major stars is like him being the highest like rank in that suit. And the yeah. way that he says it, I think you get the feeling that like it makes him in some ways more powerful than being a named major arcana like the Hierophant. Alright. Who approaches the well? I am the firebreak. I am that which burns so that the greater fire may not pass. Hmm. The necessary evil. Hmm? The breaking of something so that something else may be saved. I can respect you, but that is not your name, is it? Riot Crow. I was called Joan. When that mattered. My parents named me Avrard. It matters no longer. What do you watch for? Beyond that door? What is so great and terrifying that you must keep your vigil here? Without him? He breathes out and says, Within the well, there is no single god. Within the well is the idea that cannot be chained. It predates Uduasha, predates the Empire. It has been kept here since before the sun was in the sky. What has been chained within the tower? is a thing of such impossible brilliance that if it ever leaves no one will be the same again and so it is my duty to prevent it from ever leaving it has been the duty of others before it will be the duty of others again but i do not think you were led here for that purpose she thinks for a moment. This... This seems to have clicked in her brain. Long ago, in a time before my memory, perhaps in a time before yours, they say in a time that only one truly remembers, there was also a door. Not a door to fire, but a door to darkness, to a kingdom of shades, a kingdom of the dead. Such was the terror behind that door. Such was the unearthliness of they who dwelt there, that they should never be allowed back into the world. And still one came and opened the door. And they say that afterwards, 
the world is not a world meant for humans to live in. Not a world where the living can survive or thrive. This I have been told since birth. Yes. This is familiar to me. But is it not a lie? It is. What will you do about it? The thing that cannot live in the world as it has now become is not humankind. That much has been made clear to me. But the industry, the anvil, on which humankind lies, the control of one man far away in his tower, over all the known world, that is what is doomed to die, that is what is being protected. By networks of trains, by walls of lightning, and by a fire that burns away the world in its modern true form. A fire that burns ghosts. A fire that upholds the semblance of a world long gone. And I think he blinks once and he says, and this is the first time you have seen him blink, I think. Um, and I think you get the feeling that, again, I mean, this is a bit Doctor Who, but you can't blink because you can't take your eyes off the thing. But also for him, it is like the most brief respite. It's the it like it's the only thing that he can do to get a break from the fact that he like you know he he's convinced if he takes his eye off something it's gonna die. But like you you have to do something to survive, it, right? Yeah. And he says there are other things holding this in place. They say that. When the fire first birthed a god, the first being to walk through a door that at that time was made of straw and cotton, it appeared in the form of a snake, a large, winged, flaming serpent, determined to grow forever leaving its dead skin on the ground, polluting it. If you truly wish to attack the fire, you may enter the door. But if you seek to save humanity, you must first deal with what has already left the fire. But I think you already knew that, didn't you? So I think the conflict that appears here is that his words make absolute sense mm -hmm. to her. And um, yeah, I think he is speaking to something that she has been feeling for a long time and has been wanting to do something with for a long time. And he is giving her, he is showing her how she has been thinking wrong about it for a while. So in, in that way, he is perfectly poised to like 
sent her back to the temple to deal with the snake. Because I think we all know which which snake he is talking about. 100%, yeah. Um, I think this impulse for her to come here towards the fire to finally act in this way came not from like a rationalization as she is saying it now, but from a feeling, a compulsion by the fire, by what happened in Skurlock's quarters. Yeah. To eat the fire. That compulsion that she later rationalizes, we so often do. So I'm thinking how I I maybe this is a role. I don't know. Yeah, I think I mean A it could be a role. Um and B, I think one of the things that, like, it's very reasonable for you to realize here is that, like, he's saying, oh, you know, something's going to come out, the entire world will never be the same, and so on. But the fact is that, like, the serpent came out, and people continued to live. Like, so his thing of, like, if I ever take my eyes off it, something's going to come out, and then the world's going to end. Well, that's happened, according to his own words, that's happened at least once, and the world didn't completely, like, end. It just changed utterly, yeah. right? Um and that is exactly what, like, the Chakraborty says should happen. It is that kind of change that, like, is being uh, advocated by the religion, right? Um, so I think there is another way of looking at this, which is um, the only way that, like, you can ensure that another change happens, that the only way that you can change the empire and so on is to get rid of the old. And therefore, like, the reason that you are attacking the snake is not because you think that the snake is um, necessarily evil. It's just that it's served a purpose that you no longer need it to serve. That, like, the world has moved on from the thing that it was doing. Right? Mm -hmm. And again, I don't want to, like, prescribe that to you. I'm just saying that I think because Joan is still, like, trying to rationalize a lot of this stuff... It's very reasonable for her to be like, oh, wait a second, what you're saying doesn't make complete sense, or at least realize that. Yeah, I think she will She will continue to rationalize and continue to like think about this problem. But I think what she needs to overcome now is the compulsion. Yeah. So that she's free to think. <clears throat> yeah. Because now, now she is just, she has been, like the thing that she wants to do, that she's brought to do, and I think we should be explicit about that. She thinks eating the fire would set the city free. Yes. Probably eating the fire would kill a lot of people in the city. And also, yeah. like, what does what the, what is the effect of eating people's gods? Yes, uh, absolutely. That will without without asking. Them. I think she, her idea that she can come in and eat other people's gods, and just like decide for them that that is for the best and take away their protection against the ghost field. Uh, yeah. So if she is to like actually be a help here, she needs to continue to think about this problem and be yeah. free to think about it. So she needs to overcome the compulsion based on I think I'm gonna try and make like, a role for that. I think you should. I think that like... Um... The fact is, unfortunately, that... Uh, so, A, Avrad is the kind of NPC who, you know, does things. You would have to resist him doing things. But Avrad is also insane. So, mm -hmm. he's the only thing that he's saying is nothing can be allowed to come out. You want to go in and try and eat it? That's your business. It's anyway not going to work. Um, if Avrad was a different kind of person, he might, like, turn up and, like, hit you in the head 
dispel something, you know, whatever. Yeah. But he's not that kind of person, right? No. Um, so, I, which, which is, well, you know, unfortunate. Um, so I think the way that we should frame this is um, you tell me, like, like, what does self-reflection look like for you, right, in this moment? Like, do you think it's like a resistance role to be like, I have a flash of insight into myself? Or is it more like an action role where you are like, I am attempting to come up with a new idea about myself and the risk is that that idea may also be wrong in some dangerous ways. Um, and I do want to like, I think it's important, as you say, to recognize that, you know, she's come from the outside. She's turned up to eat this God, you know, and it's a very colonialist way of thinking. But I also want to highlight that it is absolutely possible for someone like Joan and for people like this to change their minds and to like realize what the morally correct thing to do is. And yeah, okay, fine, moral relativism, nothing is great, whatever. Let's, let's stipulate sure. that eating a god is mostly bad. Um, and there is some strictly better version of this philosophy. And it's possible for that to be the thing that Joan adopts, right? So yes. um, I said in the last session, oh my god, guys, have we, have we been playing a tragedy all along? But I want to make clear that like, we are also playing a hopeful drama in some ways in that it is absolutely possible for Joan in this moment to crystallize a better version of thinking and to use that to build like a literally a better world, right? Yes, um, and I think it will have to be an, an active thing. I think yes. she is trying to build something in her mind yes. to understand what is going on. I think the yep. only role to action that makes sense for that is survey. Um, uh -huh. I'm going to use that one. Because it's like, yeah. uh, also like, understand a, situ a situation. That's what yes. she's trying to do here. Um, Absolutely. Or sense trouble before it happens. Um, yeah. I have one guy in that. So we're gonna see. I think that you you can get a die here for accepting. I, I think like so far that you have not really internalized this riot crow business, right? Like you stepped over the card. Like, he named you this, and then you said, but my name was Joan back when it mattered, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, and I think there is a devil's bargain here of um, saying, you know what, I will accept that I am this, like, th this is who I've become now. And that, and that change doesn't have to be a good thing. Like, I don't think it's uh, necessarily good that you have accepted there is some spirit of, like, wanton violence and revolution inside you that, like, it's some core part of you. So if yes. you do that, if you like, you know, bent down, somehow the card is at your feet unblemished and you pick it up, you know, and you could even eat it, right? Um, then that's a, that's a devil's bargain. That's a die right there. Yeah, sure. I, I think that's really cool. I'm going to go with that. It tastes, what does it taste like? I think, I think she walked over the card, so she walked past it. So I think she's... She doesn't eat it or bend to pick it up. I think she opens her hand and notices that she's been holding it. And then... Yes. Puts it away. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm trying to think... Uh, unfortunately, the, the, I can only imagine textures here. Um, and my instinct is to go to the opposite of like uh, what I think it should be. Which is that if it's a card, it should be crispy. So maybe... Like I imagine that it's not. It's kind of. It's like. It's like kind of like the soft, the middle part of a cookie, right? It's kind right. of chewy. 
Um, I mean, gods are kind but of... But in a very... They're, like, yeah. like, if you eat paper, it becomes healthy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's kind of satisfying in that way. But, like, what kind of taste do you think it has? I don't know. Um, probably um, gunpowder. Excellent. Yes, it tastes of gunpowder. A plus. Yeah. Yes. Um, but she will. She will not yeah. because she's not eating it. She's keeping it. Yes. No. Sorry. You are right. Um, so you have it. Uh, in fact, yes. if you just add that to your items, it's like you know, zero load. Um, but it's good to know that you have it. Um, and I think you you can you, you can't be in anything apart from a desperate position, right? Um, but you have positioned yourself so well and like, like, I imagine that like his argument has made like a really good impact on you. So like you're in a, gr- you, you, you can have great effect. And I think great effect here is you can change your mind about this. You can find in your self-reflection something new and revolutionary, right? Yes. Okay. Let's die for left I think I'll push mm-hmm. as well. You can... I was forgetful. Can you can you push you and can't, devil's bargain at the same time? No. You can't push for a die and devil's bargain, but you can push right. for effect. And I mean, I, I think extreme effect here would be interesting. And also pushing for effect suggests that you're trying very hard to like to, to, to make the best possible version of this even better. Yes. Rather than trying to succeed at it as much as you can, right? Mm-hmm. Alright, um, uh, two dice. Yep. This extreme. Like, there's a part of me that wants to give you more dice because I don't want you to fail, but I think we have to be true to the character and why yes. she is, and the fact is she's never exactly. been that good at surveying, so... Oh, yeah, and also, like, it's dramatic. Yes, it is dramatic. I'm tense, man. Yeah, Jesus. It's a four. Four! Yes, it's not a fail. Look, I'm not gonna lie to you. Just so long as it's not a fail, right? Like, um... Because I think if it was a fail, what I would have basically said is you walk into that door and the version of Joan that comes out, right? The version of like Joan who appears in that moment is not you anymore, really. Like it's like a player character, but you've been so utterly transformed by that fire that like, you know, but with a four, I think that um, let's first stipulate that with extreme effect, that in this moment you crystallize whatever the best possible version that we think of this philosophy could exist, you get that. No problem, right? Um, and by this, I mean that, like, uh, to some extent, you know, this is maybe the most obviously political thing that I've ever said on this ca- like on this podcast in this campaign, which is um, if you could act in the best possible way, knowing that like what your beliefs are politically knowing what your experiences are historically what would that be i am happy for joan to have that right um because i think that is what an extreme effect kind of means right um but i think the desperate consequence is um you are never going to let this card go you are never going to consume it and internalize it in some way you know and work on changing it and you are never going to cast it aside decide that you will no longer be this person choose a different path right this 
unfortunately, this part of you is going to remain static. This conviction that you have that, like, some things just need to be burned down, something things need to be destroyed, and any amount of violence that you enact in that um, pursuit isn't even justified. It is morally good, right? That you should do yes. that kind of violence, right? And again, I, th- and the reason that I don't think this is a this is a contradiction in terms to what we were saying earlier is that I personally don't. I'm not a pacifist, right? I think okay. um, there are kinds of violence that are morally good mm-hmm. uh, against Nazis. This should be controversy free, but it's not. But let's just at least stipulate that you should be allowed to like punch Nazis, right? Yeah. But let's say that, like, in this case, the desperate uh, consequence is that you are never going to move. If someone presents you with very clear evidence that some violence that you have undertaken or encouraged has resulted in genuine, like, suffering that you would otherwise recognize as genuine suffering, in this case, you would be like, that's totally acceptable. And it doesn't take away in any way from what, uh, what that action otherwise achieved right yes and i think that's the consequence but i think you should tell me what the extreme effect looks like what is the good like what is the new understanding i think i think the new understanding would be too broad to like say this right now sure Uh, that's absolutely fine yeah like give me a vibe give me like a yeah i'm gonna like an image or something yeah i think she looks at the guard again just before putting it away, and mm-hmm. sees that this tower, this tower now in her mind, appears so great and so so old and so uh, built of so much time and so much material that she cannot imagine that the person marching at the front of the crowd could do anything against it in his own crowd. Yeah. It's a it's a bit of a general vibe, but um, Oh no, the, the I effect, I know what you mean. Yeah. The effect the, the the physical effect is that she is going to walk away. And she's right. going to go home. In fact, I almost wonder whether um as you put the card back in, that like we were saying the person at the head of the crowd who was not quite Joan, looks more like Joan. I think that maybe that changes back, right? Because now you understood that, like, the person at the head does not necessarily... is ha- not morally better. It's not, like, it's not like mm-hmm. leading it makes you a better person, right? Like, the point is a solid- solidarity in the crowd. And yes. so as you put it in your pocket, we see that that, like, sense of, I have to be the one to do this. I have to go and, like, eat this fire, free this city, and so on. That's gone. Right, and mm-hmm. you recognize that like a movement is about a community of people, and therefore, it doesn't matter whether you're, you're in the crowd on the street or whether you're doing logistics and supplies, whether you're doing organizing, whether you're writing something, creating art. Like all of that is actually included in that moment. So the riot pro is not merely that one mob who turns up and destroys everything. It is everything, all of the effort that goes into that. Yeah, so that's great. And I think we see you turn around. We see Avrad um, kind of understand that you have turned away. 
And I don't think that he is... Um, he doesn't react in any way that's like good or bad. He's not disappointed. He's not happy. He doesn't really care about you. But you have met the most powerful mage in Uduasha, right? And I think he says, um, in your time of utmost need, call upon the Mage of Stars and I will answer. But be warned, I do not whisper. We are very long past the time for whispers. Thank you. And he turns around and resumes his vigil. And as he turns around, the bird looks back at you. And as you walk out, the bird flies. <laughs> <laughs>